Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? Well, I'm okay, thanks to you, but oh my goodness, here we are again with a global crisis. Emotions are running high. The angst and anxiety is very noticeable wherever I go. We're barely out of the woods of the COVID crisis and now slammed with the horrific events in Ukraine. Well, you know, Anna, this surely reminds me of our first conversations. You know, those, those conversations for the good episodes that we did those first months of sheltering and shutdowns and social distancing. You know, it feels like here we go again. You know, different event, but the same triggers. You know, events playing out on the other side of the world and the grim videos on the news feeds. I mean, the death tolls, you know, emotions escalating as the news is being broadcasted. I mean, all of it, pervasive sense of danger and gloom sense of uncertainty is back and the powerlessness, overwhelming feelings of of vulnerability, and really a difficulty feeling safe, even in our own homes and our own bodies. So, of course, you know, we're seeing others and experiencing ourselves, you know, and an increase in emotional reactivity. So, could show up as irritability or anger, you know, sleep issues, a lot of excessive worry, you know, and they're all fueled by fear and negative thinking. Yes, and I imagine you've seen an increase of this in your private practice. Oh gosh, Anna, yeah, Anna, yes. This is this. We've had no time for recovery, you know. So this is from one major crisis to another. Experiences heightened. You know, people are whirling, and those with any previous trauma are hit the hardest. So let's take a moment and review the process of acute stress. You know, that immediate reaction that we have. You know, the brain reacts in a millisecond even the slightest perception of fear or danger, and it can be real or imagined. And think of, of uh, you know, I think the lion is chasing me or the lion is actually chasing me in real time. You know, either way, the fear networks of the brain are triggered. And the fear networks in the reptilian brain, that primitive lizard brain, and the limbic system, that emotional brain, work together. So we've talked about that amygdala, that little part of the midbrain. It acts as a smoke detector. It signals the threat, and we're off and running. The primitive brain activates, energizes, and we're ready to fight, run, or freeze in order to survive. Yes, and we feel this intensity in our emotions, all those thoughts, feelings, and body sensations. Yes, yes. Our reactions to any acute stress are real, and they play out initially in an increased heart rate, shifts in our, in our breathing, increased respiratory rate, blood flow changes because blood flow is moving from our extremities to our vital organs, gastrointestinal intestinal system slows down. You know, we're really in high alert. We're, we're preparing to fight or run. And this disrupts attention and concentration. And then there's the thinking part of the brain, you know, the cerebral cortex, which often goes offline in elevated levels of acute stress. So we need all systems to survive. We need all systems that really are attached to the survival in order to survive. So at other times, the thinking brain, very brave, you know, tries to assist us in coping in other ways, tries to talk us out of our fear, um, maybe move us toward a sense of safety, maybe help us create an action plan. Yeah, Dr. Jane, the thinking brain can work in in the opposite direction as well, like feeling the fear. Oh, gosh, Anna. Yeah, 
the thinking brain is an expert in creating scary scenarios that can that can morph into full-blown terror if left unattended, you know? And then we also have anxiety and worry. Oh, I know many of us put our share of miles with each of each of those feelings. Yes. Yes, that's common. That's common for all of us. You know, both anxiety and worry can be activated and perpetuated by the thinking brain. You know, what we're reacting <clears throat> to can be, as I mentioned before, real or imagined. We can be anticipating a threat in the future or living with a sense of uncertainty or a stressful event. You know, the brain, the brain signals the alarm. The body responds. Simple as that. And with worry and anxiety, the brain creates fear-based stories. I call mine my mini-series to keep it going. And the crazy thing on it is that it begins to feel like fact. Oh, yes. Well, when all systems are on, it's sometimes hard to know what's real. We certainly know the fear and anxiety are real. Yes. Yes. The fear is an overwhelming experience for sure, Anna. Although a real danger may not even be present, yet the body's response perpetuates a cluster of symptoms, heart palpitations, tensions, you know, feeling on edge, Sweating and nervousness kind of go together, and apprehension of what's going to happen, that racing of thoughts, which leaves us feeling whirling and interferes with our concentration and attention. And for some people, there's nausea that they experience. You know, and once activated, anxiety and worry can be difficult to control. Another interesting factor, you know, in anxiety and worry is that people believe that worry helps them in many cases, to prepare for things that could happen. It's almost like a practice effect. Um, so it can feel like coping and temporarily fill in the gaps of uncertainty. Well, that's one of the main ingredients for all our anxiety right now, all the unknowns. What's going to happen? What will be the cost in human lives? How will people be affected for the long term? And of course, what about the children? You know. For me, it's just been so heartbreaking to see the children and the fear in their eyes. Oh, I hear you, Anna. You know, the combination of unknowns and the sense of powerlessness is often a reality in these crisis situations, you know. And as we've discussed in previous episodes, those who are survivors of trauma, especially violent trauma, may have severe reactions to the current events in Ukraine. Oh, yes, I, I know I certainly have. You know, the questions are, what can we do and how can we take care of ourselves and others in our care? Well, this is a case where it doesn't matter with a lion, whether the lion is really chasing us or whether we think the lion is chasing us. The reactivity is real and the symptoms are real, you know, and to allow the continuation of these may have devastating effects on our mental and emotional and physical health. So we may be powerless over the real or imagined lion, but we can make choices regarding the reactivity. Well, we've been down this path before where we need to access what we have control over and what is outside of our control. And as best we can, avoid getting caught up in that wrestling match of trying to talk ourselves out of that worry and angst. That's right. That's right. And as we experience the onset of reactivity in our bodies, we need to go immediately to our breath. Because the breath provides another vantage point, remember, to our autopilot reactivity. 
moving into the sensations of the breath can actually help us get off that runaway train of our mind so that we can focus on what we have control over and make a conscious choice as to what to do next. What is the next right thing? You know, what do we need? What, 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 what's there that we can do? Often that next right thing is to continue to settle ourselves, you know, kind of move ourselves out of the reactivity, continuing to settle ourselves. The breath acts as, as a lead into all the techniques that we've, we've ever talked about. Because it brings us into present moment awareness, it can help us balance and connect to our best and wisest selves. Yes, and, and clearly that's the part of us that we want making decisions. Yes. This is a time when investing regularly in a cross-section of awareness practices and stress-relieving techniques really begins to pay off. It's like having a tool belt with multiple options because you know that a hammer just doesn't, or I should say, isn't the wisest or more most appropriate tool for every job. That's a wonderful analogy, Dr. Jane. No, the hammer certainly isn't the wise or appropriate tool for every job. Let's, let's review a few of those helpful techniques that we can use in our tool belt. Sure, Anna. You know, and let's keep it simple. You know, all these techniques are on our Conversations for the Good channel. You know, these suggested tools target our overall strength and balance, our stress and reactivity specifically, And lastly, we also want to create a field of loving kindness because this is about our connection to ourselves and also to humankind. So first we have the the daily energy routine. You know, I learned this in my studies of energy medicine with Donna Eden, and the entire sequence takes less than five minutes. You know, it includes the three thumbs, which really increase our vitality and the Wayne Cook or the, the, um, the uh, shortcut of the Wayne Cook, again, it's on our video. This helps us move out of scattered thinking and that cross crawl, which is merely, you know, hand to knees as we're kind of doing a, a nice slow march. This clears up that funky, um, that funky energy, which sometimes has us feeling like we're like we're kind of moving through jello, like we're having everything feels like pushing the boulder uphill. And also the crown pull, which moves energy in the neurovascular points and helps us again clear the thinking. And then the last is the zip up and also a hookup, which has us feeling grounded. Again, simple, straightforward, takes less than five minutes. And then we also want to include some specific techniques that are calming the stress response. That butterfly hug of merely crossing our wrists to our chest and tapping either side alternately, you know, or the head hold, you know, holding our forehead and our occipital lobe, the lovely curved back of our head as we're taking nice, easy breaths. This brings the blood flow back to the prefrontal cortex. It can actually help bring the thinking brain back online. And then soothing the triple warmer. This is a simple motion starting at our temples. And as we take a nice, easy breath, moving from our temples back around our ears and down our neck. Three times, nice, easy breaths. This is moving our, what is considered the stress meridian of our meridian system. Move it in a way that it settles. Okay. 
again, all on our Conversations for the Good videos. And then we have our loving kindness meditation. And this is called, in Sanskrit, it's called a metta. And we're going to go through this right now because I think it's a lovely way for us to end this particular episode. And with the metta, we always start with ourselves and we're sending loving kindness from ourselves out to loved ones that we know, people that we find difficult, and then out into the world. So we want to be able to send it over to Ukraine, okay, to help everyone experience a moment of loving kindness. And so we start with, as we do all of our practices, we start by either sitting down or lying down. You can also do this um, in a nice walk if you'd like. But clearly it's initially bringing ourselves into ourselves by attending to our breath. Going to the breath and allowing it to be just as we find it. Focusing on the sensations of the in-breath and the out-breath. Noticing how our body responds to that. We're not changing anything. We're just showing up. We might notice the slight rise and fall of our chest and abdomen. Just allowing it to be just as it is. Easy. And then I'm going to say the phrases. And as you hear the phrase, imagine that you're dropping it into yourself. It's kind of like a pebble into a well. Allow it to sink right in and open our hearts. And so we begin. May I be free from suffering. May I be happy and healthy. May I have ease of being. And again, silently saying these to ourselves as we send out loving energy to our loved ones. May they be free from suffering. May they be happy and healthy. May they have ease of being. And there might be some folks in our lives who are difficult to be with. And we also want to send them the blessings of loving kindness. May they be happy and healthy. 
May they have ease of being. Now we send our loving kindness out into the world. Out into the world, highlighting those areas around the globe that are in crisis. Ukraine being one. May they be free from suffering. May they be as happy and healthy as they possibly can be. May they have ease of being. Just allowing this to settle in. Feeling our hearts open and our connection to all humanity. And when you're ready, opening your eyes, coming back to your day. That was beautiful, Dr. Jane. The Loving Kindness Meta is a wonderful way for us to end our conversation today. Thank you for sharing with us all of these wonderful techniques to help reduce our stress, target our overall balance and reactivity, and most importantly, create a field of loving kindness. Until our next conversation. <laughs>